Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome into another Saturday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your co-host Matt Fralick. Alongside me, we're bringing the squad finally back together, guys. It's awesome. We've we've all had our own OTAs. You know, they're they're uh, they're they're optional assignments that we had to be. We were all doing our own uh, exercise in in our, in our home cities, and now we're getting back into here after the draft and resyncing. Um, like I said, myself as Matt Fralick. Alongside me will be Eli Berkovitz and Janelle Mackey. Great to connect with you guys again. Um, we don't have a ton of news to get to today, uh, but we definitely want to start the conversation up. And um, it was something that I saw last night. Eli brought it up this morning. A um, couple of the, sor- the first source I saw is a-, a Twitter account that I normally don't give too much credit to or notoriety to. But as Eli kind of presented it in the fashion before we were recording, it seems like it's gotten a little bit more traction on Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Um, the fact that Aaron Rodgers had vetoed a trade to go to the New England Patriots. Um, Eli, we'll start with you since you were the one that kind of pushed this a little bit more to the forefront. Your thoughts on this and how much credibility is there with um, this report? Yeah, so uh, like you said, it came out originally on Twitter, I believe, last night from an account that is, is mostly reliable, but also one of those notification accounts that you never really know who's behind it, who's real, who's not. But then Sports Illustrated picked it up as well and some other more, you know, credible uh, sources. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers to the Patriots, it was kind of talked about a little bit, right, when there was the back and forth with the Jets. It it came up. There was some rumors and speculation. I remember even doing a couple mock drafts with the trade with Rodgers to the Patriots instead of the Jets. It never seemed likely or realistic, but it was talked about. And now here we are seeing that it may have actually been something that Goody and Belichick discussed, had something in place, and Rodgers said no. And that is, I mean, it's interesting because right off the bat, you know, you look at the Patriots, and they're definitely not as talented of a roster as the Jets, but it's the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick, and you just kind of feel like Bill Belichick with the quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' stature, there's always a possibility that team could just end up in the Super Bowl because he's done it so many times, but... 
for Rodgers. I feel like he also probably was like, why, you know, this is the end of my career. I don't want to go somewhere that's going to be even more strict than Green Bay was and like be treated by Belichick. Let's be real. He treats, it seems like everyone, you know, he didn't treat Brady all that well, it seemed like. So he wanted to go somewhere where he knew he was going to kind of run the show. And that's what he was doing in New York. And also I think Hackett being there is a big part of it. But uh, yeah, it would have obviously been, I feel like it would have been more like there's the Favre connection, but if he ended up at Belichick and then, and you know, where Brady was, it could have been really wild, but I think it worked out for the best. Crazy. Isn't Eli, isn't Bill Belichick one to always say in press conferences and stuff, like something about we're always in conversations or is that Gutekunst? I feel like, he, it, I can't remember, but it seems like Bill Belichick would be one to trying to get into this conversation. And it probably gives us a little bit more light to the fact that the Mac Jones rumors that we heard swirling before the draft, remember they were trying to move him. So yeah. I wonder if that's a part of this too. But yeah, in that alternate reality that Aaron Rodgers goes to the Patriots and is aligned with Bill Belichick, even for a year, it is just a wild scenario to think of those personalities to how petty both of them can be and dry and just quick witted. It's it's, I don't even know what we would have got. Like you mentioned jets, a better opportunity talent wise, I think with a young nucleus around um, just kind of on the trajectory that they're at, where obviously the Patriots are kind of bit, not, I wouldn't say in a rebuilding era, but they're just in a little bit of a lull right now. They do have some talent there, but they're definitely still trying to figure some stuff out post Brady era. And then ultimately it seems like the main reason from this report from sports illustrated um, from Craig Carton from WFAN um, he mentioned on his show that it looks like Rogers probably turned it down just because he wanted to play in the Big Apple. So I mean that's that's reasonable. I mean it makes sense. Uh, they had acquired, like you said, Nathaniel Hackett. Now all of a sudden we go through all the guys they've gotten. They got Adrian Amos now this week. So it's there's been a culmination of information that they've and transactions that they've had to basically reel him in. But still, still interesting that he he turned it down. Um, you know, he went to the spot that he thought was best. I don't think anyone really had the. Patriots even probably the top three at the time of where he was going to go. Um, it seemed like the the uh, the Jets were always at the forefront, maybe a couple teams here and there that were in rumors. But um, interesting that this comes out this week. But we'll see how much credibility is to this report. And then as we get through this offseason, if there's more teams that kind of bring their you know name to the forefront or if there's rumors that come out that he was you know denied a trade here or there was a trade offer there. We'll see what happens. Um, Janelle, it looks like, you know, Eli and I were going through before we started and, and compensation would have been relatively the same. You look at what the Packers got this year. Um, it was, uh, was it 14, excuse me, 14 and 46, Eli, correct? And then they would have, um, instead, they would have gotten, I remember I screwing this up. They would have got, thir- they got 13 this year and 32, and then they would have gotten 14 and 46 13 and 42, yeah, and then 42. 46. So it would have been relatively the same. Um, Janelle, do you think, I mean, it, this is totally an opinion-based question, but you think it would have been a little bit tougher to deal with uh, Bill Belichick in negotiations than Joe Douglas? Because it's almost like at this point, the main thing that we always keep going back to is that conditional 2024 pick that can be a Rodgers moving up to the first round. Do you think maybe that was, I don't, obviously let's say, Rodgers didn't know that, but do you think it would have been a little bit tougher to deal with Bill Belichick and negotiating than Joe Douglas? Or does it seem like the Patriots are kind of in like, hey, if we can get Rodgers, we'll do what we can and match a deal like that if it's like, you know, apples to apples? Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of the way that Bill Belichick personifies himself, it's kind of like the Jets just kind of seemed so desperate, so eager for Rodgers that um, 
I think they would have been able to get what they wanted from him. But I think that with Belichick, he's a little bit more stubborn, kind of knows I don't need Rodgers. It'd be more maybe of a luxury for him, but he doesn't need him the way that the Jets kind of perceived it where like they need Rodgers. Um, so I think that maybe it would have been a little bit different. Um, maybe they wouldn't have got exactly what they wanted. Um, but I mean, it's also, you know, front offices as well. I just see the Patriots not not needing to go all in um, as much as the Jets do because they've had success recently and the Jets, you know, are so eager for a taste of even a little bit of that that they're willing to probably give up more compensation than the Patriots would have been. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's like it kind of just to reiterate that is, you know, the Jets are in a win now mode and haven't had the taste of success in many, many years where the Patriots have had that. And they're one of the more of those steady Eddie organizations that, you know, will ride the lows of maybe a nine and eight season or nine and seven season previous before a 17 game schedule and would be okay with that. Where a team like the the Jets or even let's talk about the Buccaneers. Buccaneers were talented, but at that time still need that quarterback and made a splash. And now the Bucs are kind of restarting as they will right now at that quarterback position with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Unfortunate when this news comes out though, right? Like OTAs is done. We don't, we're not going to get it really probably any snippets from Bill Belichick by the time we hear from him next. But I am interested if and when we hear from Bill Belichick in the coming days, weeks, if this is brought up and there's conversation about it. It does kind uh, of make me wonder because they're they're saying that Rodgers vetoed it. Correct. And, you know, like him and Brady, it's always like 1A, 1B, one more talented, one more, you know, accomplished, all this kind of stuff. Would you think it maybe be in the back of his mind, like, man, I could go to the Jets and like really add on to my legacy, or I could go to the Patriots and have to kind of like follow in the Brady footsteps? Mm-hmm. You know, would that be? I mean, like, just for me, I feel oh, like that would maybe run through my mind, but you know, like, he's such a phenomenal football player having to go play somewhere where Brady won, you know, a million rings. I mean, it'd kind of be like, would the bar be set a lot higher for him to go there? Is there more room to grow with the jet? You know, like is the, the bar for success lower with the jets, you know, it'd be higher with the Patriots. Like are those things that maybe could have run through his mind? Maybe not because, you know, Rogers is such an enigma. You never really know, but that's just something that for me as somebody outside looking in, like, Hey, would that be, a thought because it's something that came to my mind where it's like, man, it would be really tough to have to go follow in, even though Rogers, he doesn't have the rings, but he's still a very accomplished quarterback. Would it still add a lot more pressure to be better in his later years, having to go to an organization, an organization that has had such recent success? Yeah. Like good point. I mean, it took us 10 minutes to get into that, but that's a great, that's a great comparison, right? Is like, what does success look like? Look like if you go to the the Patriots, Rogers. Well, it's like probably to trump, you know, Brady in a short amount of time. At least get to an AFC Championship game. Obviously, winning it would be ideal. Um, you know, going to the Jets, it's like, well, shoot, you make the playoffs, you want to win a playoff game, you're going to look great because they haven't done that in many, many years since like the Mark Sanchez era, which seems like forever ago. Um, and that was like a flash in the pan. So yeah, the pressure would be, I think, a lot. You know, obviously the outside pressure of being in New York is a lot, but the I would say the internal pressure or the ego pressure that is, hey, to replicate or not even exceed because you can't exceed what Brady has done in a short amount of time like that would be a lot harder at the Patriots. And I think just a small comparison, if we want to, I mean, 
it's not a great comparison, but I think LeBron going to the Lakers, like LeBron going to the Lakers, is like you had to win a you had to win a finals for you to even be in consideration of up there with Kobe or Shaq, right? Like you have to win. You couldn't just go and sit there for a couple of years and not win anything. So I think it's an interesting thing to bring up. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens, guys. I'm I'm it's it's something good to bring up. Again, I think there was probably a couple other trade offers out there, if I had to guess, that he may have vetoed. We'll see if those come out. But yeah, the pressure that he would have had, compensation seems very similar as we've talked about. What that would have been, I would imagine that would have had to have been the same because um, the Packers were probably really, really hung up on that conditional pick like we talked about for next year, which I think is going to be massive. Um, maybe the Packers or maybe the, the Patriots weren't willing to do that. Maybe that's why it took so long to get a deal done because it seemed like it dragged on for a month plus from when we thought it was going to be finished. But overall, something cool to get into on a Friday and came out, what, Thursday night, but seemed a little bit more val- validity, validity on a Friday morning. So um, that's all we have for the rumors today. But one other topic we want to get into, guys, is um, just overall, we're, we're seeing obviously the Packers being in a super youth movement right now. Again, only four players over 28 years old. Clearly the way they have drafted this last year um, and in 2022, very important that they're going to get younger. A lot of people, even myself, speculated. I think even Eli and I, when we were on with Rob Rieger this year, probably talked about you know all those picks they had in 2023 and not really moving any of them. So they're they're very confident in building um, with youth, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on some young guys. And you look at some gentlemen that came into the on the team last year, and they were called upon early, or at least now the pressure is very high on them to succeed. So the question we're posing to each one of us is: pick one player in their second year that absolutely needs to contribute. And I'm not talking like needs to contribute by a couple touchdowns or maybe maybe get a few more sacks or just get more snaps. I'm talking like needs to contribute like you need air because this team is super young. They need guys to impact right away. There are veterans that are gone from either side of the field, right? On you know defense, offense, special teams, obviously with a kicker from Mason Crosby. So everyone's got to pick one player, make an argument why they need to contribute that as much, and then we'll see who's left over. But um, Eli, we're going to start with you. I think there's a ton of players to pick from, um, and I'm I'm interested to see who you pick as your uh, need to have it. Got to step up in year two player. Yeah, so like you said, obviously, ton of young talent on this team, but we always, you know, Mike McCarthy was famous or infamous, depending on what you thought, for saying, you know, second year jump. You know, I'm really yep. thinking that every training camp, this guy second year jump, that guy, but. It is a thing. Obviously, your rookie year is kind of just it's a totally different experience than any other year in the NFL as you grow into it. And we do need, like you said, air, like we need air. We need these guys to step up and play good football, because at this point, in a lot of rooms and a lot of positions, second year guys are like the veterans, most importantly, at receiver. But it's not just there. So for me, I think most importantly, I got to go Devontae Wyatt. Uh, right off the bat, just number one first-round pick uh, last year. Didn't get a ton of opportunities until the end of the season. And looking at the way the Packers – I mean, they're always not very good against the run. But last year, it really killed them. They could not stop the run. Kenny Clark was really the only guy in the middle of that defense. And so that's that's just in terms of the need basis. We know they need another guy next to Clark. Obviously, they drafted Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks and Lucas Van Ness. But – I mean, Brooks and Van Ness, I think, figure to be more on the edge. Wooden will be more inside, but he's a rookie, and, uh, you know, you really can't rely all that much. 
on a rookie interior defender, as we were talking about right now with Devontae Wyatt, He's, even as a first-round pick. So Wyatt, I mean, it's it's not even just for me what the need is, but I actually I, I do see him really stepping up into that role, and especially just the way he finished the season last year. Most of the season he was getting anywhere between 10 to maybe 20 snaps a game, but the final three weeks of the year, 24 snaps, 34 snaps, 32 snaps, and he made plays with it, most notably in week 18 against the Lions. Obviously, it was not the best day for the Packers, but Devontae Wyatt, it was his best day of his career, at least so far. Um, finished with a 90, uh, over a 90 grade on PFF, which anytime you get a 90 grade in a game is elite. Looking across the whole league in week 18, that was the second highest graded game of the week um, behind, I think, Jonathan Hargrave was obviously very good. But... His last few weeks, he had a forced fumble, multiple tackles for loss slash stops, depending on how you look at it, but blowing plays up, a, a hurry, a few tackles, some pressures. So we're seeing both his ability to rush the passer, which we love seeing from the interior, but also, as I mentioned earlier, stopping the run. And we know he's a big guy. I mean, he is your more stereotypical nose tackle. And so most important for him is going to be plugging up the middle, stopping the run, but the fact that he can add some pass rush juice on top of it is really exciting. So Devontae Wyatt, it's just it's it's time. Like the Packers need to have that kind of consistency in the middle. And I think I think he's there. You know, he's he's not young, obviously. He's 25 years old, he's gonna be 26 soon enough. And it's not there's no more time to be like, all right, you know, come in, have another, you know few snaps every game and developmental season and we'll see you next year it's like no we need you to be out there for 30 snaps what 25 30 plus snaps a game making plays on a somewhat consistent basis stopping the run and you know they clearly had no problem moving on from jaron reed and dean lowry and some other veterans at the position uh not just in their head thinking yeah we're going to draft some guys i think they clearly had to have confidence in wyatt it's obviously why they drafted him in the first round so now it's time for him to step up and do it Quay Walker's obviously been doing it. You know, we saw especially at the second half of the season come on. So now it's time for the second first-round pick of last year to step up and, and you know, play his role. Yeah, I think there's a ton of pressure on Wyatt just based off of, you know, first-round pick. People want him to succeed. Um, Packers really haven't invested a ton of equity in first-round picks for defensive linemen. Obviously, we know a ton of um, Packers have been drafted on that defense in the first round, but I think there's a huge pressure on Wyatt there. I know from talking last week, Eli, we were just looking at some you know free agent holes that they maybe could fill. That was when we both brought up is that interior D lineman. I think you know those five or six guys going to be in that rotation are going to be great, but that means there's not a ton of you know there's not a ton of I would say overlap on some guys that maybe can compete for some starting spots. There might be a guy that sneaks through here a little bit, but I think Wyatt's going to be looked upon based off of where he was drafted and his age. Where he should be, and I know you had tweeted out a, a video of his spin move that he had that you get, get had you all um, had you all amped up, right? So it's yeah. like if he can if he can add that with that quick footwork and can get after the passer, like that's that's going to be awesome. So I think he's going to be looked on as like a key contributor to get some pressure even off of some of these young guys that are going to try and transition in, right? You mentioned Brooks, Van S, obviously Kenny Clark. We've always looked for him to get you know not double team consistently. Um, that would be fantastic, Janelle. Eli went with a defensive player. There's some other defensive players that could be selected. Obviously, some other uh, offensive players. Who's your second-year person that needs to make a big jump to you know contribute to the team, 
their side of the ball or even in, in just specifically in their player group. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think I I probably went with, you know, maybe an obvious choice, but somebody who we still need to discuss just based on, you know, the losses in the position. Um, So I went with Romeo Dobbs just because, you know, we're losing Cobb, losing Lazard, losing other pass catchers in the tight end group. And it's just kind of, you know, we saw some glimpses from him. You know, it's not like he had a stellar rookie season, but he was adequate. He was kind of like what you expected to come in. Um, given that there were guys ahead of him in that role. But now him and Watson are going to have to really take over this receiving group um, as pretty young guys. So he played only in 13 games. And, you know, he missed some time, obviously, um, both him and Watson. Um, he had 42 receptions on 67 targets. He had 425 yards, averaging about 10.1 yards per reception, three touchdowns. Longest was only 26 yards. Um, his catch percentage, 62.7. He had two fumbles and nine drops. So, I mean, not a terrible first year. Um, he did also have a rushing attempt, um, and he was also involved in just a couple kick returns. So kind of just what I was watching from him, just kind of going over highlights and everything. It did seem like he was used a lot more in shorter game, um, more in the middle, um, but I did see you know, like I said, the the rushing attempt and just kind of some 
attempts from the line of scrimmage and a couple deep shots. So he was just kind of in the mix with everything, few back shoulders on the sidelines. So in those 42 catches, you know, he was kind of intermixed, but it did kind of seem like he was more being used as kind of like what we saw with old Randall Cobb. Um, just short gain up the middle. Um, but obviously Dobbs is a bigger body. You know, I think he's what, 6'2". So um, I do think that there's a lot of opportunity. I think they got to see a really a really good mixture of what he can bring to the table. And then once you were able to get Watson healthy, having the tandem together, um, I think it's going to be extremely explosive. I mean, obviously we we have expectations for Christian Watson, but I think we saw a lot of potential in him where Dobbs maybe – was overshadowed in what Watson was bringing to the table last year. Um, So I do really think that it's important, especially with some veteran losses for Dobbs to really be able to step up and become a playmaker in this team. And hopefully, you know, he's comfortable. And I know we don't really know, you know, we expect Jordan Love to be good and he's going to be working with these young receivers, but we're also going to see, a very different offense. So it'll be really interesting just as a, as a whole to see kind of how the receiver core does just given the changes. And um, I think that, like I said, he needs to be like a reliable number two, because our, our expectation right now is that Christian Watson is receiver one. He's going to go out there. He's going to get a lot of attention. He's the flashier receiver, but Dobbs needs to be reliable number two who's open and, you know, work on um, his yards after catch because I think his yards after catch were maybe 4.7 I think it was that I saw so just being able to extend plays that way you know create that separation work on his footwork um, and then also you know losing Lazard maybe he needs to kind of get more involved in the blocking as well for Watson kind of get downfield and be able to help create um, opportunities there so I think there's a lot of different ways that he can really make this year two jump Um, I do think that we saw a lot of really good things, some things that maybe need to get cleaned up from him, but he did show a lot of different flashes in his potential. And like I said, he kind of showed either on the sideline, couple, you know, back shoulder catches and he's wearing the 87. So it kind of, you know, very Jordy-esque from Rogers. So I do think that he has a lot of good potential and you kind of hope that he gets that year two jump instead of the sophomore slump, because we are really going to need him this year with the receiving core being so young, him and Watson are going to be so important together and they're going to need to be able to work together too. So if Watson's playing really well, we also need Dobbs to play really well, be able to pick each other up if one is maybe covered a little bit more. But I do think that the receiving core as a whole is going to be looked at to see what they'll be able to bring. But I think Dobbs maybe just because he's getting overshadowed a little bit by Watson and, you know, maybe the outside outsiders looking in at the Packers Um, I think you know Watson has a lot of that attention but for us a lot of us know that Dobbs has shown us what he can potentially do and we just kind of hope that it gets even better from there no I love it I think Dobbs is is a huge one you look at just and you made a ton of good points but I just really want to drive home that Watson's going to get a lot of looks this year right Um, by the Packers but then also like teams are going to probably try to take him away like why would you not take Christian Watson away, who is a speedster. One, you got to think, too, he missed a lot of time for injury. So Dobbs will need to be able to be comfortable stepping up into a receiver one position if, you know, knock on wood, hopefully not. But if something were to happen again, like like you said, Watson's going to take a lot of pressure off Dobbs. But if he needs to step into that role, he needs to be ready. 100%. It's just like if Watson is taken away in a game, right, by a scheme – 
he's going to have to step up because you can't rely. I don't think you can necessarily think that Samari Toure is going to step up, although expectations have been high for him in this offseason, a lot of Twitter buzz for him. I don't think you can expect Jaden Reed to be a guy in year one in conjunction with Musgrave or Kraft to like step up right away. So it's like you're going to be looking for Dobbs to be that guy. And I don't think it's missed on anyone, at least you know us three, that last year during training camp around this time even specifically, there was a ton of buzz around Romeo Dobbs, how great he was doing. And I still think he's going to be a great player. I think he's got a potential to be a really, really good contributor in this offense, given, you know, just more time to grow with Jordan Love. But, you know, there are, there are high expectations just based off what he did last year in training camp and um, preseason. Obviously, some of that was stifled by injury, had that ankle injury at at one point. I think maybe had that had some to do with his um, yards after catch. But overall, if you want a number two receiver to step up, you you want it to be Romeo Dobbs at this point because anyone else almost seems like it would just be accidentally them falling. Um, right, it would kind of be spot. be like the shock factor. But I mean, if you know, here I am. If you're gonna wear that 87, you gotta you gotta play well, right? My expectations are high if you're gonna wear that jersey. And I mean, Dobbs has shown a lot of potential with it. He's doing the number justice so far, and I hope that he can continue to improve and get better and really, you know find his breakout point yeah i don't i don't want to go uh you know too long on go ahead. i just want to say and I've, I've said it on twitter and just in general but i am a massive massive romeo dobbs fan i think he has the potential i mean look obviously christian watson is a physical athletic freak in all the best ways but i think dobbs has the chance to be just the more consistent reliable receiver you know on a down-to-down basis and it's not to say like watson is like MVS, where it's like a once every once in a while, 50 yard touchdown. Otherwise, you can't rely on it. No, Watson's going to be great. But I think Dobbs, I just think his hand, yes, he had some drop issues, but at the same time, he had some of the nicest hands catches of anyone on the team and some really that were highlight reel type of plays around the league. Obviously, the touchdown against Buffalo. He had another catch on the sidelines against Buffalo that was, you know, a top 10 kind of play. But I think he's just really, really good and exactly the kind of guy that love is going to rely upon a ton, almost like in the Lazard role. So yeah, good call. Jen. I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about the Dobbs life. Uh, guess fine. I mean, there's a ton of guys I could have picked from. I love who you guys are going with. I'm going to go with Devonte Wyatt's a uh, college teammate. That being Quay Walker, obviously Quay Walker ended the season, not on the best note, getting ejected from the lions game. Um, learning, and moment. learning moment. We'll call it yep. that. Uh, <laughs> had some ups and downs throughout the year. I would say there was flashes of supreme athleticism, which is something that I've wanted from that position from them for many, many years. And they finally go ahead and and draft a kid there. And it looks like he has the pedigree to be great. Now, if he can be more of a leader on this defense, I think the maturity will come, but I, you know, in this defense, they're going to need him to be kind of that, that main guy, right? Adrian Amos isn't there anymore to kind of be a leader in the back end obviously Jair Alexander is you know a great dude on the outside but you want a guy that can call plays and honestly to learn from Devondre Campbell and Devondre Campbell we know had signed that big year big five-year 50 million dollar deal um and you you look at that deal a little bit more and you kind of look at where Devondre Campbell is I believe he's 29 years old right now so he's not super old but I think there's a potential when you really get into the nitty-gritty of that deal um, is it'll run out, I think, in 2027. Um, so 
this is the second year that he's going into that deal for Devondre Campbell. And I don't think there's a chance that he'd be cut this year or even next, but I think going into 2025 is when you would see that there's an opportunity for him to get cut um, just based off of where that kind of um, the compensation increases from as far as base money where the dead cap kind of falls off. It goes from uh, 2024 being like 11.6 dead cap to almost 8 million the following year. And then only like 4.3 the next. And I just think, you know, obviously that, I mean, there could be a potential that he's gone after this next year. I would doubt it just based off where he's been. Now he's been generally productive. Devondre Campbell, obviously I would say took a step back in comparison to his 2022 camp or excuse me, 2021 campaign where we saw him flash. But I think the overall Quay Walker is just a guy that I think needs to contribute more because whether or not he, let's just say he stays in the field and it, you know, is more of a contributor. I think that interior of that defense, be it, the Devonte Wyatt area being the D lineman or the interior linebackers, like that has to be a focal point of this defense, no matter who's out there to stop the run. I think that's an important thing. Um, and it's, he's shown some versatility, right? Like he can, he got a couple sacks last year, I think two or three force fumbles. He can fly around a little bit, but I think, you know, you invested finally some high draft pick in a guy that is a playmaker at the inside linebacker position. He's dynamic. He can make a lot of plays. I just think he's got to step up because you look even like behind him and there's not a ton of guys. They, I already mentioned Devondre Campbell. We've talked about um, we being Packers Twitter has talked about Tariq Carpenter moving to that um, interior spot and kind of being more of a hybrid role. But after that, I mean, Isaiah McDuffie is the next one there and, I think Elon and I talked about him a couple weeks ago, more of just a contributor on defense. Eric Wilson's a guy that you might get a little bit of, you know, help from, but he's not a player that I'm, you know, looking to contribute in a starting role. So it's really Quay Walker just kind of has to step up. You hope he can take that next step um, with the, the defense this next year. I think of, you know, maybe some of the flashes that we saw with Darnell Savage in his first year or two, where he was flying around to the football and you would see him just, flying from the screen and I think you kind of got some of that same sense from Quay Walker this year but I think he really needs to step up and like Janelle said more learning um, points to get to as the coaching staff goes um, I looked it up he doesn't have a suspension going to 2023 I thought that was going to be rumored so everything that I saw he doesn't have a suspension so that's great um, but you really haven't heard much about him in this offseason I think that's probably um, for the best right now but I really really want him to step up because um, as we know the, this defense needs to contribute I think the offense is gonna probably have the you know some growing pains and if you can get some consistency from this defense that is freaking loaded, obviously. Like, there just needs to be contributors from the Devontae Wyatts, from the Quay Walkers, these young guys that need to contribute right away um, to let their other younger guys grow and then their other players shine. So um, those are the three we're running with. I think there's a couple other ones that we could throw out there. I'll let you guys kind of pick and choose. Eli, was there another player or two that you even want to bring up that we maybe, I mean, definitely missed? I think there's a few we could we could bring up. I mean, I think, you know, I think one that's definitely – been getting a lot of hype throughout this offseason is Samori Toure just with what he's been doing at practice and we saw that he put on some weight put on some muscle so that's always good to see and like you mentioned you know Jaden Reed obviously we have high hopes for him but he's a rookie we don't know what we can really expect out of him and I think Toure is kind of going under the radar with you know Reed you got Wicks you got Dubose you know Watson Dubs and everyone's just kind of forgetting about Toure but I think you know, I'm, I I really do hope, honestly, that Reed ends up being the three, just because I think he has a ton of potential. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Toure ends up 
a much bigger part of this offense than maybe anyone expected a month ago. Definitely. Uh, Janelle, any other players that, I mean, we've picked a ton, any other players that you're kind of seeing on this list that maybe could contribute or need to contribute, I should say. That's the point of this, uh, this topic. Yeah. I mean, I know Eli joked around like, Oh, Sean Ryan, you know, I really want to talk about him, but I do think, you know, just kind of the line, I mean, Zach Tom continuing to better himself and be, you know, somebody who can be reliable on that line, because like you said, we're going to have some growing pains with this offense. And I think it's going to be really important to have a solid line protecting Jordan Love as he, you know, kind of gets more and more comfortable and he'll find his footing for sure. But I think a a solid line in front of him is going to be super important because, I mean, we see the line that Aaron Rodgers had in front of him for so many years and it was just, it was incredible and all you can really ask for. So I think having a solid front in front of Jordan Love is going to be extremely important as well as, you know, helping the run game. Um, So I think, you know, if he can be consistent, depending on if he comes in as a starter, if he's just kind of a plug-in guy, if a guy goes down, you know, that's also, that's always a possibility. So I think just continuing to have reliable depth in the trenches is going to be super important. So if he can continue to do so, I know we saw some really good things from him, but um, just continuing to do so for him, I think is going to be important because we never know what's going to happen in a game. So having somebody who can either come in and be solid or um, plug in and be solid is going to be super important. Yeah. And Sean Ryan, we, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, uh, Eli, you and I just about, this hasn't happened anymore, but he was getting some snaps at center at one point, Sean Ryan coming in yeah. into this, this uh, OTAs or rookie or whatever you want to call it. And um, not really getting those looks anymore. And again, Sean Ryan missed the bulk of the year last year with that. Was it that PED suspension? So like yep. to contribute, like you got to kind of be on the field, man. Um, I think the two that I would just want to bring up, even though we've basically hit on almost everyone at this point. I mean, the, the, the list from this last year to this year is quite, lengthy even with some like udfa guys and even how big that draft class was but two guys i'll bring up that we um didn't touch on is one that janelle brought up is zach tom he's kind of being looked at as that right tackle um sounds like he added some weight similar to what um eli said with samari Toure. so going into year two that's awesome i think there's a lot of pressure on zach tom i think he can do it it's awesome to have some versatility um and that could be a guy to be the right tackle starter because it seems like they're trying to put him in that spot, but obviously still, still competing with Yash Nijman. And the last one I'll say is just Kinsley Anagbare. We've seen some flashes from him last year, I think down the ladder stretch, similar to Vontae Wyatt on the last you know month of the season, it was good. Kinsley Anagbare, kind of the same thing, had some really, really high, I remember graded um, games as a pass rusher, but they're going to need another guy to step up at that outside linebacker position. That could be a, an entirely different episode in itself because some of the youth that they have there is great but they need some guys to be consistent rotational guys and maybe Inagbari can be that guy um but I think overall there's again there's a ton of guys we could pick from I think that's about it though I mean there are other gentlemen on this list but they're mostly backup offensive linemen who I'm not overly thrilled about just based off of I don't think they're going to be asked to contribute unless something detrimental happens with one of those starting five guys you know the best five as they say or even some backup guys but again guys this is going to be a tough year I think overall just where everything's at with some of this youth but I do think all the people we've mentioned the six or seven is like they're all really talented it's just a matter of them putting themselves in the right position and doing what's asked of them um limiting the mental errors I think physicality they're all really really physically gifted so if they can contribute in the way that we think um, it should be a great season to watch on either side of the ball, defense and offense, because we men- mentioned a bunch. 
if you guys have any players that we missed, obviously we didn't focus on a ton on Christian Watson because it's a foregone conclusion, I think, that we think he's going to do good. But if you think we should have this entire episode dedicated to him, um, let us know. If there's other players on this list that we didn't mention, Caleb Jones, Darius Hamilton, Enos Gaines, Jonathan Ford, et cetera, et cetera, let us know. Tweet at us at Packaday Podcast or at myself on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. If you haven't already checked out the YouTube side of Packaday Podcast, please do so. It's one of the better things to get caught up on during the week. Um, you get to see Andy Herman, who's absolutely crushing it over there. And every week there's a couple good episodes that you should be checking out because it kind of just gives you a different I would say perspective on what we're doing on the um, podcast side, podcast side, usually news related or some you know topics as such that we got to today. But Andy broke down like a 53 man roster two weeks ago. Um, the last two days have been mini camp recaps. I think he even did one the day before of like key players and contract years, which is always fun to get to, um, you know, just tons of other things that maybe just a different angle and you get to listen to the pod father andy herman on that set of things and of course if you haven't already subscribed liked reviewed um shared with your friends any of the links for the episodes on apple Podcasts, google spotify um we would very much appreciate so uh eli let everyone know what you got going on and where can they get a hold of you if they think that Devonte wyatt um is a terrible pick for a player that needs to step up next year Yes, for everyone who wants to attack me, which at this point has become a daily thing, you can just do it on Twitter at bookofeli underscore NFL. Uh, You can find my writing over at packreport.com. And obviously here every week on Packaday, but then also on myself, Jen, and Zach Jacobson's uh, new show, formerly Open Book, now The Pack. You can find us on Twitter at the pack underscore show. I will tell you when the next show is, but Jen already knows that I have no idea because of a long, a lot of a lot of reasons. But don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, Janelle, let everyone know what you're putting out right now. I know the NHL's done. Golden Knights yeah. won, so your focus is now. In softball's over for you, so the focus is now. I imagine all of football in some capacity, whether it's OTAs, training camp, et cetera, maybe some fantasy mixed in there, but let everyone know what you got going on and uh, where they can get in contact with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, softball season's over Oklahoma, you know, just dominates once again, Vegas wins. It is what it is. And yeah, now it's kind of the lull of my life where, you know, football season hasn't quite started, but everything is kind of at a, a lull here. So yeah, my focus will definitely shift more, to the Packers and I haven't been as active. Um, I'm sure people have noticed, they know I'm going through some stuff. So what I will put out, I will do my best. Uh, but yeah, always reach out with anything about the Packers on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. That's the best place to get a hold of me or have those kinds of conversations. Otherwise, yep, I'm going to be here with you guys. Now I know it's been forever since I've sat behind my mic and gotten to chat with you guys. So it's been nice being back. So every other Saturday or not every other every Saturday with you guys and like Eli said we've got the pack so hopefully that'll start to kind of kick in a little bit more here but yeah just kind of enjoying the the off season just kind of you know we've got a whole new kind of vibe going right now so it's going to be really fun to kind of see the new era and how things go and just kind of mentally prepare for kind of an enigma of a season because we have no idea what what is to come so just going to sit back and enjoy all the videos of everyone that gets to be there experiencing it and just yeah sit back and see see what's about to be 
hundred percent. Um, one final thing before we wrap up here is it looks like the Packers just released, uh, maybe not just, but uh, local WBAY tweeted out the dates for training camp. Um, next Friday being, oh no, not next Friday. Jeez. July 21st. I'm thinking this is June 21st, July 21st, uh, quarterbacks, rookies, and injured players will report Friday, the 21st. Obviously, as you're listening to this, that's about five weeks away. Um, shareholders meeting is that following Monday veterans will report on that Tuesday, the 25th. And basically the first training camp practice will be July 26th on that Wednesday at Ray Nitschke field times usually don't come out for that unless like it's a week ahead. So if you're starting to planning any trips you are taking to uh, Lambeau field or Ray Nitschke field, um, start taking those days off for PTO. And usually times between about 10 30, I think 11 30, something around there is usually when they're in the morning. Um, but that's kind of like some news that just kind of came out right now. And I'm glad I, references because like oh training camp starting next week no matt we are in june still we have a five weeks yet left until we get into that so um for myself matt fralick janelle Mackey, thanks for coming back on eli berkovitz dealing with you as always is a treat my man um but you guys have a great weekend enjoy uh let us know if there's a player that you think needs to take a step in year number two and as always go pack go Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.